What's going on, everybody? It's Kyle Bennett from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Outside the Box has become such a huge success, we're giving it its own podcast feed. You guys have come out in droves and made this thing such a huge project for us. It's unbelievable. So, Outside the Box is moving to its own individual podcast feed starting in October. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at OTBLaxPod to know when that pod feed goes live so you can subscribe there. You don't miss a single beat of what Herm and I are bringing. You don't miss any guests. And uh, you can always drop those five-star ratings and reviews to uh, pump the pod feed up and uh, make it an even bigger success as we head into year two of lacrosse coverage right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. So yes, the month of October, outside the box, its own podcast feed. Get hype. We'll see you guys soon. Let's get into the episode. Falk did not see the rush, and the Jets are fortunate to hold on to it as Deshaun Hall just clocked Falk. Hey, I'm Mike. And I'm Daniel. And we are Civil Youth, and you are listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Eagles fans, we are back after a a nice extended break uh, due to Thursday night football and a nice win against the Packers. Eagles enemies, episode number nine of the 2019 season is here, and we have a returning guest from the preseason. You know him from Gangrene Nation on SB Nation's Jets blog. You also know him from the Cool Your Jets podcast. It is our good friend Michael Nania. What's going on, buddy? Glad to have you back. Yeah, I'm glad to be back here uh, talking to you. Obviously, things have not gone uh, as planned for the Jets, but I'm doing pretty good just enjoying this season. It, it's been a really fun, exciting season just across the league. Lots of surprises, uh, a lot, just a lot of really cool storylines to keep an eye on. But uh, clearly, you could probably tell my attention is kind of diverted away from the Jets a little bit with the way things have gone for them because it's it's not really a team that's been uh, all that exciting so far, but uh, going into this uh, week five game out of the bye week, potentially uh, some energy coming back for the Jets. Maybe we'll get Darnold, maybe not. But uh, it'll be an exciting game to, just to go to Philadelphia and play this team that the Jets have never beaten before. Definitely. And uh, I have to ask you, since the last time we spoke, have you gone to medical school and are you now an expert in mononucleosis? <laughs> yeah, just like every single other person on Twitter in the world uh, who follows the Jets, yeah, I know everything about mono now just all the details about uh this this condition just just because donald had to go out and uh, i'm not gonna blame him but i'm, I'm an expert just like everybody else <laughs> we're, all, we're all experts now it's just like any other uh injury or condition that a player gets it, it happens uh then everybody knows everything there is to know about it just just in the day after it happens but <laughs> yeah at least we know Sam Darnold is loved in some way or another because he's he's getting kissed. So, you know, at least somebody's loving him. Uh, but with this Jets team, I know a lot of Jets fans are not loving them. There's been a lot of, you know, just struggles, uh, especially week one in that one point loss to Buffalo. Um, you know, what's kind of been the vibes up in uh, North Jersey with these Jets and how everything has panned out through the first three games and an early bye week? Yeah, well, that game again, the ultimate game against the Bills is that's what's really going to come back to haunt them because you know with everything that went down in that game, you know, losing Darnold and losing a lot of other pieces too, C.J. Mosley, Jordan Jenkins, Quinton Williams, all three of those guys could be back uh, this week against the Eagles. But with all the losses they had uh, on the injury front after that game, the Jets, it was they really have not had much of a chance to compete over these last couple of games. It's obviously, against the Patriots, a game that they basically had zero chance in. And against the Browns, too, a game that, you know, you hope they could compete in, but the way it played out didn't really seem like they had a chance in that one. But against the Bills, you had Darnold playing, you know, as it turns out, playing with Mono because he did not play well in that game. And it was a, it was a pretty worrisome performance given uh, how he finished last season. It really seemed like he uh, kind of lost that momentum. And it, it was really one of the worst games he has played with the Jets. But now knowing that, you know, he's dealing with Mono during that game, uh, it definitely is. It's reassuring just to know that it was he wasn't 100% uh, 
during that game. But even with him dealing with that injury, and Quincy Nunwa actually suffered a neck injury early in that game, played the rest of the game. Turns out he's going to miss the rest of the season. So they had a receiver dealing with neck injury, quarterback dealing with mono, but they still had a 16-0 lead in the second half of that game. Uh, they forced four turnovers, had a safety as well. They had an interception that got called back, a dropped interception, almost had seven takeaways against that Bills team, but still found a way uh, to lose that game. But, yeah, that's definitely the one that is going to come back to hurt them because, you know, you win that game, you lose the next two without Darnold, and you're one and two right now, then you're still very much in the race if you can get Darnold back, you know, maybe upset the Eagles, get get back to 500 before they come back home and play the Cowboys and Patriots next week, then, then they'd be in a you know, perfectly decent position to kind of get back into contention. But losing that Bills game, a game that you know, regardless of Darnold's health, Nunwa's health, um, the other issues that played them during that game, they had the lead in that game, even though they couldn't get anything done on offense. They got the early lead of the C.J. Mosley pick six. They tacked on with the safety uh, by Brian Poole tackling Frank Gore in the end zone. So they had the lead in that game, but the defense kind of collapsed at the end, and that's not to take away from their performance in that game because they still took the ball away uh, five times. If you include the safety, they only allowed 17 points all game. They lost because of the offense, but at the end of the game, the secondary really choked, uh, made some poor plays. The run defense actually really fell apart once C.J. Mosley went out. So that game in particular, they're really going to look back on. If they can't make a miraculous run to finish the season, then that's the game they're going to look back on as the one that kind of took them out of contention really early on. But after that, I mean, it's just been, you know, a, just a pretty negative vibe uh, given how, how positive things were before the season, just to see it all really fall flat on its face all at once has been, it, it's just really been incredible. Really. I mean, I'm barely even that upset about it because it's just so ridiculous how it's happened that you just have to kind of laugh at it. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, this is the most jets thing ever. A quarterback dealing with mono, uh, in the beginning of the season when you had playoff expectations for the first time in a while. So uh, it, it's just been wild the way things have uh, kind of the way things have fallen apart on the Jets uh, with injuries and losses. But, you know, from my perspective, I've really kind of given Adam Gase a pass and most of the team a pass, uh, given the injuries they've had to deal with throughout these first couple of weeks of the season. You're looking at almost about half of the projected 22 starters from about a month ago, about half of those guys have not been playing over these past couple of weeks. So they've they've had to deal with a lot, so I kind of give them a pass for that. But, you know, whenever the team's, uh, team struggles, starts 0-3, the coach is going to take heat. I don't think it's really deserved yet. I'm willing to see uh, what Gates can do when Donald comes back, when all these guys come back. But, you know, they should have won that Bills game. It was a, a tough one to lose, and they're going to regret that one. Uh, they can't come out of the bye week with a winning streak here. But the last two games, they really were so depleted, it was hard to expect anything out of them. I feel so bad for Quincy and Nunwa. The guy just, he can't stay healthy. Yeah, and that, that was definitely really unfortunate. It, it seemed like he was poised to have, you know, a big season. Last season, he, he came back from missing 2017. And then 2018 started off really hot. He got banged up again. Didn't too many games last year. I believe he played in 13 games last year. So only missed three games last year. But uh, after the first couple weeks of the season, when he was playing really well at the beginning of the year, that, then he struggled down the stretch, didn't really produce much of anything. And, you know, it could be a byproduct of the way he plays. He's basically a running back out there. Uh, when he's got the ball in his hands, he's super physical, puts his head down, always searching out contact. And he's great at that. But, you know, I get that could be part of it. Some guys are just injury prone. Uh, we know we've seen that plenty with uh, no matter what team you're a fan of. There are always just guys like that uh, who unfortunately struggle with injuries. And it seems like Anunwa is that player. So for him to get hurt, and as it turns out, he got hurt on, I believe, the second drive of that Bills game. So just just really unfortunate, and it's been a huge loss for this Jets offense. They don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. They have a good top three group, you know, with Robbie Anderson, Jameson Crowder, and Anunla. It was going to be a solid core to build that starting lineup around and just have some versatility at the top of the depth chart. But beyond them, you have Josh Bellamy, a guy who's mostly there for special teams. He had a really brutal drop in that Browns game that, kind of killed them early on. Uh, he hasn't been too impressive. Then they've had to add Demarius Thomas, who's kind of washed up at this point. He got hurt in his first half with the Jets in that Monday night game against the Browns, missed the Patriots game. Braxton Barrios, the guy who was a punt returner for the Patriots, he hasn't done much. Uh, and that's pretty much it at the wide receiver depth chart. So it's been a big loss uh, because the Jets really do not have depth 
at that position but beyond their projected three starters prior to the season. And that's been an issue as well. So, uh, you know, the Jets are hoping Thomas can get back after the bye week as well. What should we expect from him? Probably not much given the way he's looked, uh, you know, last season. Uh, the last couple of seasons, we've kind of seen him lose a few steps. He's, he could still be a good red zone threat. He brings you that veteran stability wide receiver. He knows uh, where to sit down in zones because if you looked at him uh, with the, in the preseason with the Patriots, he can, he can make those red zone catches. He's still got size. He can go up and get it. And he's, like I said, a smart player. He can sit down in zones and make those catches for you. But as an athlete, it's not really – he's definitely lost a couple steps, and it's really obvious. But he could still, you know, you know, all they really need from him is to be that third guy. Chris Herndon will be coming back in a couple of weeks. So they don't need much from him, but they do need something because the depth of this position uh, has been scary. But, yeah, losing a Nuna was is a big loss, and it's really unfortunate for a guy that – has a really unique skill set and could be, you know, one of the most explosive players in the league if he has got, if he did get, if he was able to stay healthy. And, you know, we talked about Sam Darnold going down with Mono and then Trevor Simeon replaces him and absolutely just bends in half against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Luke Falk at the helm now. Um, does that kind of give a pass to the, the start that Le'Veon Bell has had? Hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game yet has 163 rushing yards total on the season, almost as many receiving yards. What's kind of been the uh, the public perspective on how Le'Veon Bell has started his Jets career? Yeah, well, over the first two games, Bell was fantastic, and the box score stats are terrible, and that, that's primarily because offensive line. I've, through three games, uh, you mentioned that he has 163 rushing yards. Out of those, 155 of those have been after contacts, so only eight yards before contact through the first three games. The run blocking has been absolutely atrocious, but over the first couple of games of the season, he was leading leading the league in missed tackles for us. He, he was playing really, really good over those first two games. Without him, the Jets probably, and they have not scored a lot on offense this year. They have uh, one field goal, one offensive touchdown in three games this season. So they've not scored a lot, but without him, uh, I think it's fair to say, fair to assume that, they might not have scored at all with the contributions that he brought. Over those first two games, Just he was doing it in every single way. Spin moves, juke moves, power. He had a really good leap against the Browns, uh, which uh, a good hurdle against the Browns. He, he made a lot of plays over those first two games in the run game and the as a receiver as well. And there was one sequence against – actually the only offensive touchdown the Jets have scored this year was in that Bills game to open the season. Bell uh, bailed out Darnold on a low pass took that into the end zone for a touchdown. And then right after that on a two-point conversion, he looked like uh, kind of like 2015 Brandon Marshall to Jets or Tony Gonzalez or Brock. He got big in the red zone. Uh, he got big in the back corner of the end zone and pulled in the two-point conversion. And, you know, that, that was a, an insane moment. It really – that put the Jets up 16 nothing. It kind of seemed like they are getting their groove going, and it's been all downhill since then. But Bell, an individual, uh, you know, independent – of what the offensive line has done for him. He's done a really good job. Uh, he kind of cooled down in the Patriots game, didn't get much going against them. That, that is the Patriots' run defense that has been you know, amazing this season, the best. Uh, they're, they've been the best overall defense by far, but their run defense in particular has been absolutely fantastic. So it wasn't like he's an outlier there, but he did kind of cool down against the Patriots. But really, the stats are obviously not looking too good. The Jets also have had to throw a lot, given that they've been trailing uh, throughout most of these past two games, but uh, independent of what the, the blocking has done for him, uh, he's done a really good job creating production for himself. And uh, he, he's probably been, aside from three quarters of C.J. Mosley in the first game of the season before he went down, Bell's pretty much been the only you know, clear-cut positive for this team. And I think fans are more than okay with what he's brought to the table. But obviously the Jets at some point are going to have to get uh, get some blocking in front of him to make the most out of the money they're paying him or else – then at that point, it kind of would be you know, not a waste, but, you know, if you're not – because you see the, the stats in the box score. They're very pedestrian, below average, kind of, you know, in the range of not, – not numbers that you could get at pretty much anybody. But obviously that is because of the offensive line. But at some point, the Jets, whether it's this season or going forward, because he'll, he will be, you know, with the Jets for a while based on his contract length, potentially up to four years. So, you know, obviously, hopefully down the line – they could build better offensive line, maybe get some more going uh, with some lineup changes this season. But uh, in terms of what he's done, what he could control, he's done a very good job so far. Now, Sam Darnold a couple days ago is kind of still a question mark if he was uh, going to play. And then I see on Twitter today from the Jets, 
Uh, he was at practice. What's kind of the anticipation on uh, his status when it comes to Sunday? Do we expect to see Sam Darnold, or do you think uh, he's going to sit this one out and it'll be the Luke Falk show? Yeah, it's definitely really up in the air right now. Originally, the timeline, it was a pretty wide range. I think originally they said three to three to eight weeks uh, the first time it came out, which is obviously, like I said, a huge disparity there. But uh, it seemed like uh, around the time the Patriots came that they were getting pretty optimistic he'd be back for this Eagles game. They also uh, they signed David Fales to be the backup uh, to Luke Falk for that Patriots game, and they cut him, so that obviously tells you that they thought he was going to be ready for this Eagles game. But uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday's update, yesterday or Monday, uh, it wasn't as optimistic. They weren't entirely sure if he's going to be able to play this game. Uh, like you said, he is back at practice, not cleared for contact yet or cleared to play in the game, but he is out there practicing and throwing. Uh, after not being out there at all the past few weeks. So it, it does seem pretty up in the air. And I think I saw that uh, it really could come down to Sunday. He could be uh, quite literally a game-time decision uh, based on the way things are going right now. But uh, it, it is an interesting decision for the Jets to make because, you know, their season is on the line. They're 0-3. they got to get a win here if they're going to have a realistic chance to get back into things. So you know they want to throw him out there. And, you know, just because of how everything has looked, Without him, you know, running the offense behind Luke Falk, the struggling offensive line, obviously the team wants to get him back out there. But at the same time, this is, you know, the illness that he's dealing with. And here's my medical degree coming into play here. It is something that could it is something that could have some really bad long term effects uh, because of the issues with his spleen. Uh, if he does go out there and, you know, get hit the wrong way, it's something that you kind of want to be careful with. But at the same time, there is a lot of pressure to get him back in there. So. It'll be interesting to see, but it definitely seems like as much of a 50-50 bet as there can be right now. But I think given the fact that the Jets felt confident in cutting David Fales, you know, Donald and Falk are the only quarterbacks on the roster right now. That would kind of lead me to believe they feel pretty confident he's going to play. So it'll be interesting to see. But if I were to bet on it, I think I would go the safe route. Uh, think that they start Luke Falk, you know, just pick somebody up off the scrap heap, maybe Fales again just to be the backup for this week because, like I said, it's something you don't really want uh, to be too aggressive with. Uh, this is your franchise quarterback. You don't want to put him at too much risk. So I would bet on him not playing, but I think it's really a 50-50 bet right now, and it's something that will probably come down to the weekend. And, uh, you know, when it comes to his spleen, too, something we saw, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, if ever, everybody listening, correct me if I'm wrong, Deshaun Watson had a, a spleen injury last year. He wasn't even allowed to, you know, travel by plane or anything like that. So, like you said, like the spleen issue, I think, is more of the problem, uh, making sure that that's okay so he doesn't take those, you know, those hits incorrectly and, uh, you know, cause further long-term damage uh, to him just in life. Um, but, you know, when it comes to this Jets defense, you know, when we were talking in the preseason, the, the storyline was they need corners. Uh, what have you seen from this Jets defense overall through three weeks uh, that has either you know impressed you or potentially been a letdown? Uh, obviously, with C.J. Mosley getting injured, that's a huge letdown. But uh, this Jets defense, what has been kind of the, the vibe of them through the first three uh, games of the season? Well, they've been more of a mixed bag and definitely not as anemic as the offense. They've had good moments, but... There have been times where they've been disappointing as well. And like you mentioned, the cornerbacks were the big question. And uh, the Bills game is the one game the Jets lost that they had a chance in. And that's primarily on the cornerbacks. Daryl Roberts and Trumaine Johnson really fell apart at the end of that game. And that was not an elite passing attack that they were playing against, Josh Allen and the Bills. Uh, they're going to be playing a lot worse than that this year. They played worse than that over the past two weeks, and they're going to play one of their best, uh, one of the most dangerous attacks we'll see all season this week with the Eagles, but against the Bills, those two guys, uh, the original starters, now there's been a change, which I'll get into more uh, right after this, but Johnson and Roberts really struggled in that game, made made some huge mistakes at the end, getting toasted by John Brown, Say uh, Jones made a couple of plays uh, at the end of that game, and ultimately that's why the Jets blew that lead. Obviously the offense couldn't score, but the, the defense held the lead, uh, kept the Bills shut out throughout the game, but uh, the corners got toasted towards the end, and that really led to the Bills getting back into it. But Tremaine Johnson, who is, you know, one of the top five most, uh, one of the top five highest paid cornerbacks in the league, he's already been put on the bench in the Browns game. Uh, he got he got benched for the Browns game 
against, you know, Beckham, Jarvis Landry, really good group of receivers. The Jets benched him, put in Nate Harrison, who they traded for from the Colts uh, just before the season. So a Joe Douglas pickup, they put him in the starting lineup. He's been impressive. He's been one of the bright spots uh, on defense throughout these first three weeks. Harrison has played pretty well in that Browns game. Uh, he got beat by Odell Beckham on a ridiculous one-handed catch to start that game. But other than that, he stayed really quiet throughout that one. And against the Patriots this week, he was not a part of the issue. So Nate Harrison has done a really good job replacing Tremaine Johnson. But uh, obviously with Johnson, you expected uh, uh, reuniting with Greg Williams, his defensive coordinator, uh, with the Rams. You hoped he could have a, back, uh, a bounce-back season, given that you know he had some of his best years with Greg Williams uh, with the Rams. But it hasn't happened. He's been just as bad as he was last year. So uh, now the Jets have one of the most expensive defensive players in the league uh, sitting on their bench. They actually started him in the Patriots game, but he gave up two first downs on the first drive, and they benched him the rest of the game right after that. So I don't think we're going to be seeing a lot of Tremaine Johnson going forward unless there are any injuries to Nate Harrison or Daryl Roberts. So cornerback's been a mixed bag. Johnson really disappointed in him, but you, had, you do get a diamond in the rough. Uh, with Nate Harrison stepping up to be an upgrade over him. So that's been a positive. But other than that, I think the primary uh, the primary story on defense has been uh, Leonard Williams on the defensive line. He's had a really disappointing start to the year because uh, I think a lot of people expected him to have a breakout season. It's a contract year for him. He's going to get to play next to Quinn Williams, which obviously he has not gotten to do that much yet, only in that Bills game uh, since Quinn Williams missed the last two games. But – uh, Leonard Williams has not been himself this year. Not only has he failed to have that breakout season that I think fans were hoping for, but he hasn't been his usual self either because, you know, the Jets drafted him with the sixth overall pick in 2015. Uh, he's kind of, well, he's one of those players who are given that tag, you know, in that, you know, top of the first round, three to 10 range where he was considered the best player in the draft who fell to the Jets at number 10. And he hasn't quite been as dominant as I think fans hoped he would be, but he's still been really good. He's been a great run defender. Really solid. Uh, picks up a lot of pressure, uh, a lot of pressures as a pass rusher. He's done a good job there, but what fans, I think, have been disappointed in, uh, disappointed with him is is just a lack of game-changing plays. His sack numbers haven't been too high. Uh, not a lot of forced fumbles. Uh, plays like that, the splash plays, the sacks, he hasn't really racked up. But it seemed like he would have an opportunity to do that this year in Greg Williams' more aggressive scheme. And he has been rushing the passer more often uh, than he has before. He's Averaged more pass rush snaps per game this season uh, than any of his first four years in the league. But he hasn't delivered. And not only has he not had that breakout season, but he hasn't been himself either. He's been pretty uh, pretty well below average uh, pretty much in every facet, run defense, pass rushing, tackling. Uh, while, you know, over the first few years of his career, he was really one of arguably one of the top 10 to 15 defensive tackles in the league. But he's been a liability so far, uh, both in run defense and as a pass rusher. So, Leonard Williams has been really disappointing. So uh, after a bye week, definitely. And, you know, given that this is a contract year for him and the way he started, it doesn't seem like, especially considering that there's a new general manager with the team, it doesn't seem like he's made his best case for a contract extension. I don't think he's going to be able to do that unless he could have a ridiculous turnaround after the bye. But if the Jets are going to turn around the season, they do need to have uh, the Leonard Williams of old, the guy that they had top 10 in pressures, top 10 in run stuffs every year for the past four years. They need that guy back uh, if they're going to turn the season around. Now, before we get into this matchup, I have to ask, since the Jets are coming off a of bye week, what are your opinions on the week four bye week? Because me personally, I think it's very silly. I think it's too early in the season to be having a bye week already. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, uh, I did not like seeing it on the schedule before season. I, the way things have played out for the Jets, it's pretty good timing. I'm happy about it now. Uh, given that it comes at the perfect time for Darnold and all these other guys uh, to get back into the lineup, kind of get a rest after this terrible start. So selfishly, with the way the Jets have started, I like it now that the season has kind of played out. But I did not like it before the season. And I think I agree with what you said. It is really early. Even if you include the preseason games, it's not halfway through the season. So I think it's a little early. I think maybe week six, week seven would probably be a better place to start having bye weeks. I get that you never want to have uh, – you want to spread it out a little bit. You don't want to have too many teams having a bye week at once. But week four is a little early for a bye week. I think it's best uh, when you could kind of you know, split your season in two a little bit. You know, Even a later one probably wouldn't be as ideal as an early one either. But uh, I, I agree with you. I think week four is a little bit early. But for the Jets, it does come at the perfect time this year. 
That is very true. Now, with this matchup, uh, whoever is at quarterback for the Jets does get a little bit of a boost because, uh, like the Jets, the Eagles are absolutely decimated at the cornerback position. Avante Maddox got injured in the Green Bay game. Thankfully, it looks like he's going to be okay, but he's week to week. And right now, the starting corners for the Philadelphia Eagles are Rasul Douglas, who has had a fantastic start to the season so far, uh, Orlando Skandrick, who is with the team in the uh, the offseason during training camp in the preseason. They cut him, just brought him back this week. And then uh, practice squad hero of week four, Craig James, is the third corner on this roster due to all of these injuries. So that's one thing I'm nervous about is the fact that you guys have a guy like Robbie Anderson who can take the top off of the defense. And we've got two pretty much inexperienced cold guys in Craig James and Skandrick going to be out there along with Rasul Douglas, who's more of a physical power corner. Um, how do you see Robbie Anderson kind of playing out in this game, knowing that the cornerback position for the Eagles is far less than ideal? Yeah, well, I, I think it definitely depends on what happens at quarterback. If Luke Falk is out there again, uh, he hasn't shown us the ability to push the ball downfield at all yet. And, you know, maybe as he gets some more playing time, gets some more reps, uh, that's something he could – the coaching staff could be more confident in him to push the ball down the field, especially Adam Gase. And, you know, he could get the comfort – to do it more so maybe it happened uh, maybe he is a little more aggressive than we've seen so far but throughout the uh, the passes he, the about half of the game he played against the browns and the full game he played against the patriots uh falk has been extremely conservative uh, with his approach not I don't, I, I don't think i don't know how many passes he's completed past the first down marker no no more than two at most and uh, <laughs> so he's definitely he has not done a really good job pushing the ball down the field so i, I wouldn't expect much of anything from the Jets receivers down the field if Falk starts the game. Uh, if they do, you know, make any huge plays, then it would be a surprise and a huge step up from what we've seen so far. But if Darnold does play, I definitely keep an eye on it because the chemistry those two guys were building uh, at the end of 2018, it, it was really special because, you know, you mentioned Robbie as a deep threat, and that's his main, uh, his primary skill. That's what makes him a special player in this league, his ability to get open down the field. He really is a top five to ten caliber deep threat when he is able to play with his starting quarterbacks he puts up some really good numbers but uh, down the stretch last season over those final four weeks uh, of 2018 he was one of the most productive receivers in the league I believe he was averaging about 80 yards a game over the final four weeks of the season and he wasn't doing that at the deep ball he only had uh, one deep route catch over those final four games it was all intermediate stuff out routes curls comebacks and also in the red zone and he had he only had one red zone touchdown uh, going into 2018, but then over the final four weeks of last season, he had two red zone touchdowns, and both of those were on uh, scramble drills with Sam Darnold just after the play broke down, Robbie Anderson uh, kind of breaking off his matchup and finding a way to get open, give Sam Darnold a target. So it was really good to see him kind of expand his game and be a really productive weapon for the Jets, uh, even though they didn't have a great offensive line play last season, great running back play, a really good run game, great play calling. Uh, he's pretty much the only good receiver on the team at the end of the season last year. So in spite of all those things, uh, Darnold and Anderson had a great connection last season, and he really showed Robbie Anderson did just that he can have some versatility in his game. He can help an offense without getting the deep ball. So if Darnold does come back, it, and especially if Quincy Nunwan now out of the lineup, just one less receiver for him to throw to. Chris Herndon isn't back yet. So if Darnold does come back, you're looking at Jameson Crowder, Robbie Anderson, and Le'Veon Bell basically taking up all of the targets. So to see, to have that one guy, obviously Crowder and Bell are new this year, but Anderson is a guy who Darnold has built some chemistry in game with. So if Darnold does come back, I definitely keep an eye uh, on Robbie Anderson to have a pretty, a, a pretty big game. I think Darnold will lean on him pretty heavily if he does come back. Now, in your opinion, do you think this game means a little bit more to Robbie Anderson being that he went to Temple, the link was his home field in college? Uh, do you think he's going to you know, have a little bit more extra motivation playing in this game knowing that he's going back to uh, where he played his college ball and he was pretty successful at Temple as well? Yeah, for sure. Definitely homecoming games. Uh, no matter who it is, I think you see it a lot. Guys have big games going back to where they played in college. Maybe it's a former team or whatever. But uh, like you said, Robbie Anderson had a really good Temple career, so it got him to the NFL, to the Jets. Obviously, he went undrafted, but uh, he's proved a lot of people wrong uh, with what he's done over his first three, now in his fourth year uh, w with the Jets. So I, I think it definitely will provide a little bit of motivation for him uh, going back to the link. Um, and, you know, with with the offense, Le'Veon Bell is obviously going to be who it's 
focused around, especially if Luke Falk plays. Knowing how the Eagles' run defense has performed this year, you know, they've kind of been a, a top-five run-stopping defense, which is even surprising to me because in the first two weeks of the season, they lost Malik Jackson and uh, they lost Tim Jernigan back-to-back. So Fletcher Cox has really had to step his game up in a big way uh, along that defensive line. But knowing how successful the Eagles' run stuff has been and stopping the run, uh, what do you expect Le'Veon Bell to be able to do in this game when it comes to running the football, or should we expect more of kind of the uh, the running back dump-offs and kind of like the uh, the option plays to Le'Veon to get him going? Well, in the run game, and he's definitely going to get a ton of carries because so far he's taken pretty much the entire load. The Jets haven't used Ty Montgomery or Bilal Powell as much as we probably thought they were going to. It's been all Bell, but it's got to start up front. And like I said, this offensive line has blocked really badly in the run game. There's been pretty much nothing for Bell there, but it'll be interesting to see if they shake up that unit at all because Ryan Khalil, who they added late in the season, uh, late in the offseason, he's been really disappointing, especially in the run game, or really in both phases, but just overall he's been very bad. So they have some options. They do have decent depth at offensive line. Joe Douglas made some nice moves, uh, or made the addition of Alex Lewis, who was a versatile backup. Uh, after coming over to the team, that was one of the big trades, or the one of the few trades that he did make uh, since coming over to the Jets. Uh, they drafted Chuma Idoga in the third round. He had a really good offseason. Jonathan Harrison started at center for the team last season. So there are some options of what they can do on the offensive line. But uh, So maybe some changes could ha- uh, get some better run blocking out of the unit. But if there aren't any changes made, it'll be interesting to see if it's just going to continue to be a complete mess of an offensive line. Or, you know, maybe if they could turn it around, especially given that, you know, this is a, a unit that did not get a chance to play with each other in the preseason. These are the first three games that this set of five guys has played together. So, you know, maybe some more games of experience, they can get it together. So that could be something to keep an eye on. But it, it, we, we still shouldn't expect much from this offensive line run blocking. So for Bell, the story over the first two games was the fact that he was able to kind of get the Jets run game up to maybe an average level in terms of, you know, yards per carry, just overall efficiency, keeping the run game moving forward. He did a good job over those first two games. Even if he wasn't getting huge plays, he's doing a good job just keeping the Jets ahead of schedule, putting them, you know, avoiding those losses, uh, no-gain runs, one-yard runs, and instead getting, you know, a few four-yard, five-yard, six-yard runs, putting the Jets in, you know, third and four, third and five instead of third and ten. That's what he's doing a good job of. And he's doing that by consistently making the first guy miss, uh, just – getting those extra yards at the end of the carry. He's doing it on pitches. He's doing it uh, inside, outside. So over those first couple of games, that was really the story. He's making people miss, setting up the Jets in third, second and third and short, and he's just doing it with his own ability to make, get his, create his own yardage, independent of what the line did. But then against the Patriots, he wasn't able to do that as much against uh, one of the best tackling teams in the league. And then without him doing that, coupled with the Jets' offensive line, run blocking terribly, the Jets got absolutely nothing out of the run game. And obviously that is not an ideal situation for a guy starting his first NFL game. So it'll be interesting. I think it starts with the offensive line in terms of what Bell brings in the run game. We'll see if the Jets make any changes on that unit out of the bye week, if that could uh, you know, get some better blocking production out of that group. But in the past game, he's definitely going to be involved. The Jets have done plenty with him. We've actually seen the Jets go to a wildcat Bell a few times. And Bell is actually the backup quarterback beyond – Luke Falker, he wasn't at Browns game, so he is the emergency quarterback, which I, I kind of wanted to see selfishly. <laughs> I thought that'd be entertaining to watch. That would be being amazing. at that Browns game. Yeah, being at that Browns, seeing the team score three points, I just kind of want to see it for entertainment, but didn't happen. But uh, he has been in that Wildcat a few times, but the Jets haven't done much with it. Every single time they've done it, it's just been Bell running the ball up the middle. It's never been a productive game, but. You know, maybe going forward, especially the team now being 0-3, maybe they let them throw the ball a couple times. Or uh, So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to bust out that wildcat. But in the passing game, he's definitely going to get his targets. He gets plenty of checkdowns. Uh, they split him out wide uh, a ton. He definitely is out there quite a bit, especially with, you know, how thin the Jets are a wide receiver. Uh, Bell definitely gets his share of opportunities lining up in the slot out wide. So he's going to get the ball a ton. Uh, and like I said, with Quincy Nunez out, Chris Herndon, who's supposed to be a big part of this offense, will be when he comes back. Uh, still, this will be his last game of the suspension here against the Eagles. He'll come back against the Cowboys next week. So two of the big five uh, 
targets that they uh, expected to have before the season still aren't out there. This is an offense that's struggling quite a bit. Bell's been their best bet throughout these three games. He's going to get the ball a ton uh, pretty much in every way. But how efficient he can be, that depends on if Sam Darnold can come back, uh, you know, make the passing game more respectable. That could open up the ground game a little bit more. If they change the, change up the offensive line, maybe make a few switches uh, on the starting group there, if they can run block a little better, uh, that's going to have to happen if he's going to be more efficient, get some more big plays on the ground. So there are some other factors that come into play in terms of how efficient he'll be, what you know his numbers might look like. Uh, but he's going to get his opportunities to touch the ball. And as we saw over the first two games, he's really fresh right now, and he's plenty capable of producing a lot of yards on his own. How nice is it to have uh, kicking Sam Ficken putting up field goals for you guys and not missing? Oh, it, it is awesome. The, the noise in the stadium when he made that first field goal is like one of the loudest sarcastic cheers I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> it, the Jets could be one and two if they had Sam Ficken uh, against the Bills. So, oh, darn it. Got him, got him too late. I guess we got to get <laughs> we gotta get on Joe Douglas for that one. Should have picked up kicking Ficken a, a week earlier. What an absolute name for a kicker, too, because it just rolls right off the tongue with kicking, and, uh, I mean, he's been good for you guys, and that's something that, like you said, in that Bills game, if you have him, it's a potential win instead of a loss, but uh, looking at this Jets defense that we talked about earlier, too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is going to be the first time Carson Wentz faces the Jets um, in his career. What are some things that you're expecting to see from this offense uh, from a Jets perspective, knowing that Deshaun Jackson's probably not going to play in this one. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's still probably not 100% out there, but he'll be out there. Uh, and then seeing what the Eagles were able to do on the ground against the Packers with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Um, what are some, some things you're expecting this Jets defense to have to you know deal with when it comes to all these Eagles playmakers? Yeah, well, I think it really starts in terms of attacking the Jets, obviously outside the cornerbacks, but in the middle where, uh, with C.J. Mosley, that is a huge factor for this team because the three quarters of play we saw with C.J. Mosley on the field against the Bills, this defense was pretty much dominant, and the Bills have, obviously, they're not a great offense. They didn't look too good against the Patriots this week, but they've been a decent NFL offense you know, over these past three weeks since playing the Jets. But when C.J. Mosley's on the field, they couldn't get anything going. But as soon as C.J. Mosley left that game, that's when the Bills made their uh, 17-0 run to finish the game uh, and, and beat the Jets. So having C.J. Mosley out there, I'm curious to see if they can be that good consistently. or Because they have held up decently over these past couple games. They held the Browns to 23 points without any field position help from the offense. Uh, the Patriots game, not, not a lot of excuses there. They went down 30 nothing pretty early in that one. They did kind of hold up towards the end, but the game is pretty much over at that point. But uh, having Mosley back definitely changes a lot. If Mosley isn't out there, and I do expect him to be out there, but without him, I think you could look at the rookie linebacker, Blake Cashman, who's been in his place, Neville Hewitt, who's been starting at inside linebacker uh, next to Cashman and Mosley. He's not great in coverage, so that could give some opportunities uh, to Zach Ertz to make some plays, who's been pretty good this season, obviously hasn't had the touchdown production that he uh, – has had in the past, but has still made a lot of plays, made some key plays in that Thursday night game last week. So uh, with Mosley back, though, he definitely really helps that coverage in the middle of the defense. He's a solid man-to-man guy, but especially in zone is where his impact really comes in. He just always knows where to be in zone coverage, gets everybody in the right place. That's something they've missed with him, but having him back should really help kind of of fix all the coverage issues, really uh, limit the breakdowns, and he's going to do a good job there but it all starts outside and like you said Alshon Jeffrey didn't really look 100% in that Thursday night game we don't know if he's back to 100% yet but even so this outside group is where you really want to target the Jets at those cornerbacks outside the numbers Daryl Roberts is a guy who has he's had he has he's capable of some of those games where he looks like he's unstoppable last year he had a game against the Vikings where he's targeted I think 15 times and he only gave up uh, I think like 80 yards. So he's only giving up about five yards a target against Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, one of the best duos in the league. So he can have games like that, but much more often he's getting uh, giving up touchdowns to John Brown to win the game uh, like he did in week one. He struggled uh, last week against the Patriots was a huge part of why the Jets went down 30 nothing. So Daryl Roberts is, a cor- is the corner that you really want to target. But Nate Harrison, too, I mentioned him before. He's played really solidly so far, but you definitely want to test him. And just keep going after him. See, you you want to test him because th- this is his third start at the Jets. 
uh, new team, a new defense that he's had to work into uh, late in the offseason after spending most of it with the Colts. So you want to test a guy like that. You want to keep going at him uh, and see how long he can hold up until he gives up that big play. But uh, like you said, uh, I think this is where the Jets uh, – this is where he should be the Jets. And we'll see if Alshon Jeffrey is completely healthy. But if he is, I think he does have a chance uh, to have a really big game. But in the slot, I think it's a really interesting matchup. Nelson Aguilar obviously hit, did not do much in that Thursday night game. But uh, when other players were down, when Deshaun and Jeffrey were out uh, in the game against the Lions the week before, he had a pretty big game. He did make a few mistakes, but he scored the two touchdowns. But from a Jets perspective, in the slot, he's probably going to match up a lot against Brian Poole, who they signed over from the Falcons. And he's been a really good addition, probably one of the top positives on the team. He's stayed really clean in coverage in the slot. I believe he leads the league in fewest yards allowed per cover snap out of the slot. So he's been a big positive so far. Brian Poole in that slot has been one of the primary reasons that this defense has not been terrible. You really look at the leaderboards most defensive stats, points, yards, yards for play, points for drive, uh, advanced stuff. The Jets are kind of middle of the pack or at worst below average in most of those in spite of the 0-3 star and all the disappointment from Leonard Williams, Tremaine Johnson. They've, they've really been middle of the pack. They haven't had that game where they've just completely you know, gone off the rails, just com- letting teams do whatever they want like some other teams have this season, the Giants, uh, the Rams and Buccaneers last week. They haven't had a game like that. And I think Brian Poole is a big reason why his coverage in the slots. But outside corners where you want to beat the Jets. Target Daryl Roberts, test Nate Harrison, and Brian Poole in the slot too. He's had a good start, but over the past couple of years, the Falcons, he was you know a really erratic player. He was capable of having uh, some games here and there where he was picked on quite a bit and a huge reason, uh, giving up a lot of production out of that slot. So I would test those corners. Uh, you know, We'll see if Alshon Jeffries held here this week, but definitely go after those Jets corners. I think that is the big weakness with this defense. Now, would you say Nelson Aguilar could potentially be the X factor in this game for the Eagles, knowing that Brian Poole has kind of kept this defense together, but if he's able to do some things, it could change the game script a lot for the Jets? Yeah, that could definitely change things uh, quite a bit, because I think if you can, if you have a guy in the slot you can rely on to win his matchups one-on-one, you know, whether it's in man or just handling his part of the field, it's a huge asset because – uh, it's a really hard position to play. That's why we don't really see guys who are you know, great in that role year after year because it is so tough to do well. That's why you know Brian Poole has usually not been that great of a player. I mean, the Jets signed him on a one-year deal. He wasn't a hugely sought-after free agent. But so far this season, the production has been really good. So it is, it's probably the most erratic position in the league because of how difficult it is to play. So if Aguilar can have a really good game against Brian Poole, that will definitely change things for the whole defense because then you got to account for that. And Jamal Adams is probably a guy who you'll see kind of drop down from that safety role, maybe come out, maybe take away some of his pass rush opportunities, uh, some of his plays in the box, and kind of move him outside to help out in coverage there. And then that's a loss for the pass rush, which also has not been great for the Jets. So if you're losing Adams in the box, losing his uh, abilities as a blitzer, his abilities as a run defender to kind of cover up some of the coverage issues, and he will do good in that role. He's – a very good player in coverage. He has kind of he's kind of had a, not a slow start to the season, but not quite as dominant as he was last season. He did have a pick six last week, but that was off of Jarrett Stidham, and the game's over already. But uh, he he's kind of not been as dominant as he was last season. But he hasn't been bad either. He's been you know pretty good. But I, I think if you're if you're losing those, what he does best, he's good in coverage. But what he does best is make those plays in the box, make his name heard, uh, make make those big hits, just get his nose on the ball inside the box against the run on the quarterback. So if a guy like if Aguilar is able to have a good game against Poole consistently win that matchup, then I think the Jets will kind of lose, have to push Adams out there. That's kind of where I think they will uh, have to account for Poole losing the matchup to Aguilar. I think uh, Adams coming out of the box is probably how they compensate for that. And then that's a loss for a pass rush that, you know, I mentioned Leonard Williams before. Uh, the, really the whole defensive line has not, produced much of a pass rush so far. Henry Anderson, who they re-signed, he hasn't been too good. Uh, it looks like Jordan Jenkins is going to be back this week. That's a big boost for the edge group because the guys beyond him have not done anything uh, in the edge pass rush. So uh, if you if Aguilar was able to win that matchup against Poole, that is definitely a huge matchup for the Eagles because Jamal Adams, the most talented player on this defense, you're probably taking him away from where he's strongest in the box where he can make the most noise and kind of pushing him out as an extra body in coverage. 
It's going to be very interesting. And I have to ask because this point spread is absolutely stupid too. 14 and a half some places, 13 and a half other places. Do you, do you see the Jets, you know, not allowing that to happen? Well, last week against the Patriots, they did have that ridiculous spread. I believe was 24 and a half yeah, points. Yeah, 24 and a half, 25 and a half yeah. somewhere. And they, they found a way to cover it, even though they had no business doing it. They got uh, a botched fumble, a botched punt return by the Patriots, which they scored a touchdown on. And then Adams picked six. And, you know, like I said, the defense kind of held up after their terrible start. Didn't let the Patriots kind of pour it on. And we know the Patriots will try to pour it on. They're not a team that kind of takes their foot off the gas pedal. And uh, they did do a good job holding up after the beginning of that game. So, that they were able to cover that, that ridiculous spread last week, but this weekend, you know, I have a fr- my best friend's an Eagles fan, and he too is not all that confident in this team. Not as confident as Vegas seems to be, definitely. But uh, I think if Darnold plays, and definitely if he does play, that number is probably going to move for if, sure. If, if there's still time, but if Darnold plays, I could definitely see the Jets winning this game. I would not bet on it, but uh, the Jets would have a much better chance if Darnold plays. But even with Falk, I think. Uh, I think the defense does have a chance to maybe cover that spread. I don't see much from the offense because really any production as this offense has been so bad that anything that we're kind of projecting positively is just, is just that projection because we haven't seen it yet. The jets have, uh, what do they have? They've won touchdown in the first game. They had a field goal in the second game and they got shut out in the third game. So they've scored uh, 11 points on offense this season. So (laughs) it's been anemic. And until Darnold comes back or anything major changes or we see anything change, it's kind of hard to really see them even scoring 10 points in a game. But on the defensive side, I do think they have a chance. Because like I said, they've been decent this season, even with the injuries and some players underperforming. They've done a pretty decent job, uh, all things considered. So I could I could see, and especially with the, inju- uh, the injuries the Eagles have at wide receiver, if Jeffrey still isn't himself, uh, if Jackson doesn't play, then... I could see the defense kind of making this an ugly game, like maybe a 17-3, 17-6 kind of game. But uh, given that the fact the fact that the Jets did kind of find a way to, even though it was a really miraculous, find a way to cover that spread last week against the Patriots, I could see a way the Jets uh, could get under that 14.5. But, uh, yeah, Darnold's definitely going to be a huge impact. Obviously, the line changes if he does come back. But uh, without him, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of tough. I don't see the Jets... Uh, getting to double digits, scoring the ball. They'd have to do a really good job uh, defensively to win that mark. Now, before I let you uh, do your rundown of where everybody can catch all your stuff, I do have to commend you for getting the Jets hashtag color on the emoji changed. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was that fantastic. Was, that's hilarious. It, it's funny because, like, the fans were so anticipating the uniform change so much. They said there was going to be a logo change, and then, they changed the logo, and it's just a minor tweak to, well, as they called it, an updated oval. That's what uh, <laughs> kind of the, that was kind of the branding name for this new logo. So then they come out with the hashtag, and it's the it's the old oval. So I'm like, come on, guys, update the oval here. And we did not get the oval in the hashtag, but we got the uh, the the new word mark that has the it's the same old Jets word mark, but it has a football in it, which is. Uh, really great, great update. But we found a way to found a way to get them to change it. Everything is right in the world. Well, Mike, it was at that point. Michael Nania point. is now a social media influencer, guys. Um, <laughs> Michael, let everybody know where they can you know read all your stuff uh, about the Jets, catch your podcast, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania. That's N A N I A. And uh, most of my writing on the Jets is at gangreennation.com EliteSportsNewYork.com, either one of those two sites. And uh, I've been running the Cool Your Jets podcast with Ben Blessington, uh, having a ton of fun doing that with him. You can find that on iTunes or Google Podcasts, really anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, the Cool Your Jets podcast uh, with me and Ben Blessington. So, uh, yeah, it's not been a great season so far, but the content doesn't stop uh, no matter how many games the Jets lose or uh, how many interceptions Luke Falk throws. Actually, he's only thrown one this season. So, good on him baby steps right there brother i appreciate you hopping on again and uh who knows if the jets end up turning it around and uh end up in the playoffs and go on a crazy run and the eagles do the same thing we could be talking in early february uh for a super bowl preview yeah you never know you never know crazier things have happened that is true
Really appreciate you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on. And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, week five is upon us. The Jets struggling with offense. That's a good sign for a a crippled Eagles defense with injuries, especially at the cornerback position. And uh, from what we saw in Green Bay last Thursday night, hopefully this offense keeps ticking. You know, we had 21 points in the second quarter. Doug Peterson hopefully gets these guys going and uh, keeps this offense ticking because they looked fantastic in Green Bay. Uh, being able to put up points the way they did, and uh, hopefully it continues, even without Deshaun Jackson in the fold for the Eagles this week as of right now. But make sure you're following us on Twitter, at UndergroundPHI. You can also follow me on Twitter, at KBIZZL311. Shout out to the AOL Instant Messenger for that one. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram, at UndergroundPHI. And uh, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews with your predictions for Eagles-Jets. And uh, we will definitely read all of these five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast if you leave them. So make sure you do that. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Or you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we will catch you guys in week six with a very fun guest to break down Eagles-Vikings. But until then, i got to thank Michael Nania for jumping back on the show. He's become a fun friend of the pod. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. So until week six, this has been episode nine of 2019 of Eagles Enemies right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm Kyle Bennett. We are signing off. Go Birds!